0: Well, it's really good to uh, be with you folk uh, this morning and it's good um, and it's ex- it should be exciting for us to meet together uh, this morning uh, to be able to come and worship God collectively as a family and uh, to give him all the glory and all the recognition that he so right rightfully is due and uh, you know as we begin to look at that signature verse that Gar, that uh, grant read uh, this morning out of Matthew 28 uh, from 18 through 20 uh, before we start unpacking some of those principles uh, in God's word it's important for us to also understand uh, some other biblically based principles about our relationship with God and how important we actually are uh, and what the um, call to action is is that God has on our lives uh, as we outwork his plan uh, and his purpose uh, for us. So let me just get onto that there. I'll just put this up here. I just want to take you back to um, a, a, uh, a couple of days uh, before um, Jesus met with his disciples uh, in Galilee and gave them the Great Commission. Actually, fact, I want to take you back to that Sunday morning. So uh, if you'll just come back with me a bit in time. Uh, it's early on Sunday morning. Um, it's dawn, and Mary Magdalene and Mary uh, head out towards the tomb, uh, expecting to find uh, Jesus there. And as they're making their way to the tomb, what do they find? There they find this angel. And it's the angel of the Lord that's there that meets them. And the angel of the Lord uh, moves this big mass of stone away, um, and he sits on the stone. Uh, well the guards that were there, they just fainted, right? And I can, you, can you imagine this? You know, a, a big angel comes down, moves this big mass of stone away, a stone that wasn't able to be moved uh, under any circumstances. And here this angel comes along moves the stone away and sits on the stone and says to these two ladies, hey, ladies, don't be afraid. I think sometimes God has a sense of humor in these uh, situations. And then the angel of the Lord says to the two Marys, he said, hey, you know, I know that you've come to look for Jesus. Jesus is not here. He is alive as he said he would be. So the two ladies move off and go back on their way to go and tell their friends uh, what they've just seen. And as they're moving off uh, and away, Jesus comes alongside them. And they recognize him and they begin to worship him. And Jesus says to these two ladies, I want you to go and tell my disciples to go to Galilee and I'm going to meet them there. Go and give them that message to travel to Galilee and I'll go and meet them. In the meantime, the two guards, or the guards that had fallen uh, faint, um, had woken up, and they were on their way to the Pharisees to go tell the Pharisees what, uh, what was happening. And you can imagine how nervous they were. And immediately what the Pharisees do is, is they realize they're in a very difficult position here, so they pull together this, this, this untruth about the fact that uh, Jesus' disciples must have come and stolen him uh, at night. And this is the story that they craft around this. And then they pay the guards a bribe to spread this news around the community. And then Jesus comes and he meets with his disciples in Galilee, his 11 disciples. And the disciples immediately recognize him and they start worshiping him. But there's some doubt in their minds as well. There's a few of the disciples that still have a doubt about Jesus. And it's very interesting as Jesus unpacks this great commission to his disciples. He sandwiches the great commission in between a layer of his God-given authority In heaven and earth. And then very amazingly, at the back end of the commission, he sandwiches it in. The fact that he will be with his disciples until the end of the age. Right? So Jesus says to these guys, I'm going to unpack this commission, this great commission for you. And he says to his disciples, Because I have been given all authority on heaven and in earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. has the bottom layer. Here's the foundation of why we can go ahead into all nations. Making disciples, baptizing and teaching. Here's the foundation on which we can do all of this. And be sure of this. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. What a wonderful promise that is from God this morning to you and I. You see, because as Christians, if you've made a commitment to have the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and you are committed to his plan and purpose, we don't get a free pass around the Great Commission. The Great Commission is for you and it's for me. We don't get a work around this. We don't get an opportunity to decide whether this is for us or not. This is a command, an instruction, a call to action from God through his son Jesus to you and I today. The great commission for you and I is as real for us today as what it was for those disciples many times. Many years ago, nothing has changed in the call to action and the intent and the expectation that God has in His Great Commission. You know, we live in a society that has 165 different nationalities in Auckland. Do you know that? You know, if you've got a concept in your mind, it says, Well, where is our nation? Our nation is on our doorstep, 165 different nationalities. Sometimes we get a bit concerned about that concept of nations and we believe that God's going to grab us and send us off into the middle of some jungle in the middle of Amazon where uh, we're going to be faced with a tribe uh, with bows and arrows and spears and they've never heard uh, or seen another living person in their life and they're going to cook us and they're going to eat us. And that's our view sometimes of what God is going to do when he says go into all the nations. And yet God's tapping us on the shoulder and saying, well, hold on a second. How about just the nation that's on your doorstep right here and right now? Yes, sure, I may call you to some far off place to do something special and awesome for me. But in the meantime, I want you to see the nation as those people that you rub shoulders with every single day. So, to confidently fulfill God's great commission, we need to have a clear understanding of and view of how really important we are to God. If we're going to fulfill a very, very awesome, fantastic plan for God, we need to understand what our position is with God. Point one we are God's workmanship and created for a purpose. Do you believe that today, that as you sit here today, that you are God's workmanship? Ephesians 2, verse 10 says to us, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things He planned for us long ago. The Greek word for workmanship is poemia, a poem. So we are actually God's poem. You are God's special poem. He wrote a poem about you and about the purpose that he has for you even before you were born. is that amazing? As you sit here today and as you look around this room, we're all so different. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. That has created variety in each and every one of us. He's created us as a poem. You and I are so special to God that he created this poem about you and about what he wants you to do for him. So as we think about the Great Commission, we think about going into the nations. God has a special plan for you and I in that. This masterpiece that the Bible talks about, God never has an intention for you and I to walk through life on a treadmill, meaningless. That is not God's desire for you and I. He has a plan for you and I that is far greater than our imagination. And that's a great thing in its own because what that tells me is is that we need God Involved with us every step of the way if we are going to fulfill that purpose. It's not a plan and a purpose that we can fulfill on our own, but it's a plan and a purpose that we can link up with God and outwork his purpose. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Friends, this morning the, the message that God has for you and I is a message of encouragement and a message of challenge on our lives today. I want you to be encouraged and I want you to be challenged at the same time. You know, if you go back in Hebrews 11, you will see the verses in Hebrews 11 that goes, By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Sarah did this did this. In your outlines this morning, if you could just write down the word faith. Write that word down on your, on your outline today, faith. And then underneath that, I want you to put two bullet points. One is is absolute trust, and the second one is is absolute obedience. You see, to have faith in God You need to be willing to absolutely trust God in every situation. And you need to be absolutely obedient to his call. Hebrews 12 also tells me that we need to surround ourselves with good friends, those that will support and cheer us on. And God is more interested in our character than what he is in our comfort. The Christian life requires commitment, trust, and obedience to the will of God. Our focus and time and what we become involved in and how we are spending that time. And then to live effectively in this plan, this great commission for God. We must keep focused on Jesus. That part of that verse that tells us we can do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus is walking ahead of us every step of the way. And that verse is telling us we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. And we can do that by having a daily quiet time and a daily prayer time with you. How often do we go through the day taking that verse that God has laid on our heart and applying it during the day or learning from it or gaining strength from it? How often are we in constant prayer with God in every moment of our day, relying on him, keeping our eyes fixed ahead of him? Point two, we've been created by God for relationship. And the first relationship is that vertical relationship between God and ourselves. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know, God desires with a, the Bible tells us that we've been fearfully and wonderfully designed and made and because we are so fearfully and wonderfully designed and made God desires this relationship with us of where we will come to a point in our lives of where we surrender completely to him and we give everything over to him you see this verse says you must love the Lord your God with all with all your heart all your soul and all of your mind. There's no second choices to this. There is no 99.9% opportunity in this. There's no plan B. It is an all or nothing situation with God. But you know, we also serve a gracious God who gives us that free choice, that free will. He's created within us a free will to, cho- to choose and God will faithfully knock on the door of our heart and wait for us to open that door. He's not going to bust that door down and force us into relationship with him. He requires of us that free choice to choose to put him first. The second one is, is, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22 uh, 2, verse 39. And, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're not only created in relationship to God, but we have a horizontal relationship with others around us. Each and every one of us is created with an ability to have a relationship. Now, some of us are more extrovert than others, right? And, and once again, that's a really great thing. Um, uh, how do I know that uh, we're all created with different levels of being extroverts, and the reason for that is, is that I see it in my own family. If uh, you had to ask Michelle and I to uh, set up an invite list for a barbecue at our house, uh, you'll see how different our levels of being extrovert actually is. Michelle will often say to me, "Hey, love, um, I've just uh, um, invited a few folk around for a barbecue at our house," and I'll go, "That's great, fantastic. Who's coming?" And it will be blah 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 blah. blah, blah, And I'm not ganging my head That's 35, 36, 37 people. Are we trying to reach all the nations at one barbecue sitting, love? You know, and 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 I'll go. You know, that's 37 people. And Michelle will go. Well, you know, Martin. You've got to remember, God gave us a big house. He's blessed us with a big house, you know. And I'll go, well, that's going to take a second barbecue. And Michelle goes, you know, that's what I love about you. You will always make a way, Martin, right? There you go. <laughs> if I have to set up the list, it would go blah, blah, blah. And if they want to, they can bring their wives along at the same time. <laughs> right? We are... We are made so differently from each other. And that's, that's something that needs to be celebrated within us. But the point is this, folk, is, is that as much of a, uh, an introvert you may think you are, you are still created for relationship. You are created to collaborate with each other. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. We have to be really careful. And unfortunately, guys are are, are very much uh, uh, prone to do this as, as males. As soon as we come under pressure ourselves... One of the first things we tend to do is is we tend to go into the fetal position, find ourselves some dark corner, and try and work things out on our own. Whereas with ladies, the first time they come under pressure, it's time for prayer, it's time for unity, it's time to mobilize each other and start getting that that strong braided cord around each other, and we can learn from that. And we need to be careful that we don't find try and find some dark corner where we become so embarrassed, and then all the devil does is he just pounds away at us until he breaks us down, because we've lost that opportunity um, to get the protection of God. We've lost that opportunity to um, uh, ask for the prayers and protection around those that are around us. You know, it's, it's so good. I've got to tell you folk this morning is, is that as we were coming into the door and I caught up with a few people this morning, one of the first things they said to me was, is, hey, Martin, we've been praying for you the whole week. We want you to know that we've been praying for you the whole week. And that's, that's really good to know that as I've been preparing for this week, that there's been people that have been holding me up and actually praying for me this week. And we need to know that. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder with each other and pray for each other and have those practical expressions of love that we should be showing each other. Point three, God has given us each a gift for the purpose of serving others. That an interesting concept is, is that each and every one of us have at least one gift. And the purpose of that gift is for us to serve others. It's not for our own use, but it's to serve others around us. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. If I can ask you this morning. What starts your heartbeat? What gets your heartbeat racing? What excites you today? Did you and I come through this morning with an expectation that we were going to come here today and give God all the glory and all the worship and all the recognition that he deserves? And did we come this morning with minds and hearts of expectation that God was going to meet with you and I today. Each and every one of us has a poem, has a gift that God has weaved into our life that he wants us to use to outwork his plan and his purpose. We've got so many ministries uh, here at New Hope. You know, when you think about the welcoming at the front door, the hospitality, the setup team, the worship team, the midweek Bible study group, prayer groups, children's church. Didn't you get excited about having all those young people on the mat here in front of us? Do you know, folk, that those young people are looking at you and I today as adults, and they're looking to get direction from you and I in their lives. These young people are a huge ministry opportunity in our church. Are you sitting here today with that gift of being able to relate and interact with young people and you know in your heart that you should be doing something about that? Can I encourage you today? Take out that communication card of yours And if you need some help or if you need some more information about one of the ministries, maybe you're sitting here this morning and God's impressing on your heart to start another ministry here at New Hope that aligns itself with our five purposes. Put that on the communication card. Reach out to Ian or one of the leadership and let's get talking about that. Because the last thing that God wants of you and I is to come through those doors or from one week to the next to be on a treadmill of meaningless activity. That is not God's plan and intention for you and I. What are we going to do? If your guest is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach them. If your gift is to encourage, encourage others. Be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the, uh, the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Just one gift. That's all we need to make a difference. How about you? What is that gift? that God has given to you that you can outwork in the life of this church and in the life of people that you come alongside. Point four, enjoy God's unconditional love and let God handle things. See how much our Heavenly Father loves us, for He allows us to be called His children. We sang about this today and we talked about this today is is that when we get into and when we come into relationship with Jesus, everything between us and God changes. We are now called one of His children. Isn't that a wonderful concept? That it doesn't matter what qualities we have or how God has created us, each and every one of us can be called His child. We are special to him. Hold on to this verse and remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but of eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You know, as we heard from Amy and the the young kids today, things in life can get messy. They're not perfect. We're not perfect. And when things get difficult and things get messy, God tells us that we can cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. When things become difficult, when there's gray, when we come under pressure, we can take those anxieties that we're feeling and we can cast them on Jesus and bring them to him in prayer and he will take care of them. But just like you're casting a line into the water, that bait and that weight will go nowhere until you take your finger off the line. You have to release the finger off the line for that bait to travel through the air. As long as you hold on to that, as long as you hold on to that, you will never be able to transfer or cast that anxiety onto Jesus as long as you hold it. Jesus invites you and me. He says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all, who are, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Teach, uh, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, And the burden I give you is light. You know, folk, if we're going to run that race that Jesus has called us to do in the Great Commission, if we're going to rub shoulders with people every day of our lives, our family, our friends, our work colleagues, the students at university or at school, if we're going to make a difference there, we're going to have to learn how to run light in this race. And give those burdens over to Jesus. Let him put that yoke on our shoulders, which is much lighter to carry. So that we can run that race. And as you create relationships in this next week going forward, as you outwork all the nations, as you step out of your front door. You now we think about that uh, international dinner that we create, that we're planning to do in August. Here's all our nations right there. What are we going to do this next week? When we go out, and the guy at the service station is the one that puts the gas bottle in the back of our car, the lady at the cashier desk of the grocery store that's packing our groceries. The young person that serves us in a clothing store. How are we going to treat those people? It's interesting, you know, when you make a conscious decision to actually engage with people around you. And this is God's expectation of us in the Great Commission. His expectation, his call to action for you and I is to engage with others around us. When last did we smile at somebody who was serving us and just say, thank you very much for what you're doing? I really appreciate that. For us, it was engaging with nurses and doctors that are pulling 16-hour shifts that will walk through the emergency doors of Middlemore Hospital and say... Michelle Bloom, can you come through, please? Pulling 16-hour shifts. How do we treat people like that? Do we bring a sense of gratification, a sense of difference in those people's lives, of where we're engaging with them to find out how they're doing, to say, thank you, I appreciate what you're doing, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. How much difference do you think that you and I will make in the lives of people that we rub shoulders with every day if we will let God work through us as being that shining light in his great commission? If you're always trying to be normal, You'll never know how amazing you can be. Maya Angelou said that. I don't believe God has called us to be normal. God's called us to be different. We don't have to be politically correct in this world. We have to be biblically correct. It's time we get an urgency, folks. I want you to be encouraged by this. It's time that we get an urgency around God's great commission in our life, what that means. We need to be able to quantify that and get out there and be that difference and not be normal in this world. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we live in a country where we can still get together like this in this building and worship you free of persecution. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have this opportunity to get together and unpack your word freely, Lord. May we never take that for granted. Each and every day, Lord, as we rub shoulders with those around us, as we have people that support us and cheer us on and pray for us, Lord, may we understand this poem that you have brought into our lives, this workmanship that you've created in each and every one of us, and how your masterpiece within our lives joins and links so carefully and so well and so perfectly with your great commission. We are gifted to serve others. Lord Jesus, may we not be a people or a church that sits and soaks, but that we would take your word, Lord Jesus, we would take the difference you have made in our lives and we would serve others in the world around us. May that be the encouragement and the challenge that you lay on our hearts and in our minds today. In your name, amen.